yo 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 this respect the game with mma mondo and today what i'm gonna be talking about is the comeback and the fallout of conor mcgregor i'm going to talk about his career a little bit talk about his rise to fame and the perfect timing for the ufc record-breaking sale um the sale honestly set him up and set up the rest of the ufc for the era that we're in right now which is the entertainment era so here we go okay so on april 6 2013 mcgregor made his ufc debut against marcus brimage and he won by ko in the first round the reason why this is so special and the reason why i'm starting with this is because it was the first post on his instagram account and it was his double pose with the double arms flexing looking up at himself no tats insane 60 g's baby okay just a week before that fight he had to pick up a welfare check according to this article on business insider and this check led to him winning sixty thousand dollars later that day and i remember hearing about how impressed dana white was with conor mcgregor going into this he thought conor mcgregor looked absolutely incredible he thought the persona that conor mcgregor put on was incredible and he was honestly surprised that he had such a big personality without having any experience i remember reading articles where dana white even said he didn't care if he can fight as long as he could throw a punch they would make a ton of money off him so his first fight took place in stockholm that's where he fought marcus brimage and he quickly 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 went up he wasn't fighting the biggest names or anything of that nature i mean he did fight dustin poyer and he fought max holloway on the way up which those two wins age better than probably anything else he's done in his career but after that he went on to eventually face Dennis Seaver, and somehow the Dennis Seaver fight um, allowed him to get the title fight with Aldo, which didn't make any sense to me at the time because I was like, Dennis Seaver is not, he's just not title worthy. But, anyways, um, then he got the fight against Chad Mendes because Aldo got injured a couple weeks out from the fight. And I remember thinking at this time, I was like, okay, if Conor McGregor is going to fight Chad Mendes, money Mendes is going to walk through him. And I thought he was going to walk through him because of his intense wrestling. And it didn't seem like Connor really went against a wrestler. And at the time, that was the talk. Hey, has Connor went against a wrestler? Has Connor went against a wrestler? Um, and this fight was the first time he was against one. Like a really, really strong wrestler. Even though it was a smaller wrestler, strong wrestler. So Chad Mendes, on a couple weeks' notice, I think it was like two weeks' notice, he went in and he handled Connor in the first round for quite, quite a bit. He was dominating Connor the entire time. He had him down on his back. Um, and Connor got a couple shots in, but it was a really one-sided affair. He even bloodied him up a little bit. I, that might have been... Let me see. Yes, I was going to say... I was going to say in the first or second round is when he got bloodied up, but I believe it was towards the end of the first round because he started motioning towards Chad Mendez, just like he was at the beginning of the second round. Eventually, Connor was able to stuff the takedowns that Chad Mendes was shooting in the second round. It didn't seem like Chad Mendes had the same fire that he was able to put out in the first round. And Connor eventually put him away. And at this point, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, how the fuck did Connor just win that fight? It's like, okay, well, Connor's going to lose the next one. There's no way he's going to be Aldo because he has to fight Aldo next. Well, not really. 
There was the international presser for McGregor, Aldo, and that, that made McGregor a star. All the things that he said leading up to that fight, Mystic Mac, all those things about how he predicted each of his fights previously before that, how accurately he predicted them, this was all, this is all special for the fight game. The closest thing we had to this was Chael Sonnen, and Chael Sonnen just was not the same. They're two entirely different entities, and two, two entirely different people. But, but yes, going up to the Aldo fight, this was the first time McGregor, well, this is the first time anyone ever kind of put on the kind of banter that he did with Aldo and the kind of aggressiveness that he was. He made a lot of comments about Brazil. He made a lot of comments about his manlyhood and um, him being afraid and things of that nature. And I think all of that just got really under Jose Aldo's skin. Before McGregor even got into the UFC, he predicted that he was going to walk through the featherweights and the lightweights, which eventually he, he, he cleared out most of the 145ers and he did capture the 155 title let's see here well he did and even in the quotes interesting says i'm going to unify the belts i'm going to destroy the featherweight division and then i'm going to take the lightweight division as well which in all honesty he went through the featherweight division and then he went up to take the lightweight title without any previous fights against everyone knows eddie alvarez but on December 12th, 2015, is when McGregor landed that 13-second knockout, the fastest finish ever for a UFC title fight. So that, on top of all the banter, on top of them really, really, really pushing him, really pushing him, a star was absolutely born. Then after this, he was supposed to fight RDA for the title at 196 in March. And uh, this this is one of the biggest days in the UFC's history now. Like, looking back, back in 2016, in March, when Nate Diaz and Connor fought, this was, this was one of the biggest deals because RDA withdrew after having a broken foot, and this allowed Nate Diaz to step in on short notice to fight McGregor. McGregor had a choice between Nate Diaz and someone else. I, don't, I honestly don't remember the name, but he said Nate Diaz was a bigger name and more interesting because of all the history with the Diaz brothers. <clears throat> But anyways, RDA withdrew from the fight, which he was the title holder. Nate Diaz just was coming in, just a name, just Diaz. Diaz has been train, training as a welter. I said 170 pounds of the size, but oh, no, Diaz is a 155er. Diaz had a couple fights at 170, but he is not a 170er. He's a 155er. And McGregor decided he would gain the weight to, to fight him at 170 for some reason instead of fighting at 155. I think the reason why they did this, honestly, is because if they fight at 170, it doesn't really damage the 155 title shot entirely. It, it does a little bit because Diaz is a 155er. It'll, it'll confuse the casual fans. The casual fans will be like, oh, it's just because he's a little heavier. That, that's why. But And because I heard Diaz didn't want didn't to have to cut the weight either. Like Diaz, well, I don't know, the, the banter back and forth, Diaz and McGregor kept blaming each other as to why it was at that weight. But anyways, McGregor was the heavy favorite going to the fight, which he should have been. He just captured a title. He was getting ready to capture a second title. He was massive in the media at this time. And uh, in all honesty, if everyone looked at Jose Aldo's skill set and looked at what he does and how he fights and looked at Nate Diaz, who would you say is probably the better fighter? Skill for skill, I think most people would say Jose Aldo. But in this fight, McGregor fought Diaz, and man, this 
was his first UFC loss. And to this day, other than Habib, it's his only loss in the UFC. Um, it says, everyone talks about how Diaz locked in a rear naked choke on him, which is true. But what happened before that? Before the rear naked choke, Nate Diaz was pacing him up, standing up. He was making Connor weak, he Connor was getting tired, and Connor couldn't handle the pressure that Nate Diaz had anymore. So Nate Diaz just kept pushing forward and noticed that Connor was he was fading. So he cracked Connor. Connor got rocked and shot for a weak takedown. This was crazy because Connor talked all before this and every other fight how everyone they become wrestlers. Every time they get worried about his power and every time he starts striking with them, they all become wrestlers. And this time Connor shot. The shot was lazy, and the shot allowed Nate Diaz to get the rear naked choke. The rear naked choke isn't the only reason why this is surprising. Connor tapped, and a lot of people have this weird thought on tapping, because if you tap, they think that you're weak or you're not tough. In my mind, I think tapping is a smart thing to do. I trained, I mean, I, I studied psychology, and I studied medicine for a little bit in college. I graduated um Bachelor of Arts, but I do not think that passing out and getting put unconscious is good for your brain. That, I mean, it's it's kind of proven, but nothing concrete. It just says that if, if your mind does not have activity, doesn't really have any activity, and it just starts skipping like that, it, it can do per, it could cause you permanent damage with your memory and your brain, which is never talked about in MMA. But um, anyways, despite the loss to Nate Diaz, in 2016, um, he appeared on the Forbes list for the 100 highest paid athletes, which, which is incredible, incredible. 22 million. That this doesn't happen for MMA fighters or UFC fighters. Him being on the Forbes list really pushed him and the UFC into a whole new stratosphere. Because every time Conor McGregor is talked about now, Conor McGregor is not just a regular athlete. He's not a regular celebrity. He's on a grand scale. But anyways. I'm just right now, I'm just scrolling through the Business Insider. Um, but at this point, it was March of 2016. This is important because in July, July 11th, 2016, is when NBC Sports reported that UFC sold for $4 billion and Dana White was going to stay on to run the promotion. I believe this is the biggest day in UFC history, other than all the fruition things and everything leading up to the creation of the UFC and how it became big. As far as business moves, this has to be the biggest move they made because they went to WMEIMG, which allowed them to now be owned by Ari Emanuel. And also, the UFC is on ESPN, as we all know now, in 2019. Um, the UFC being on ESPN, we get to watch all of our UFC content through there. I think that this is, in a way, an innovative move for the UFC and for them as a business. If you look at streaming platforms in general, they, they're doing highly successful. Look at Hulu. Look at Netflix. Disney's about to release one. NBC has one coming. There's, there's a ton of streaming platforms right now. And also, if you add to a subscription model, Luke Thomas was talking about this on his Luke Thomas show on SiriusXM one day, and what happens is you can expect a tenfold increase to your revenue. As a company, if you change from, I'll buy this item, keep this item, one purchase, one deal thing, to 
Now this is a subscription. Think about how the rest of the world is starting to be set up. Think about how our phone plans are ran, or how you buy tech now, or how you buy just anything. A lot of times you're doing it through a plan, you're renting, you're not really purchasing, you're not really owning it. It's almost like property. How many people rent versus how many people own? You know? So, um, so yeah, the, the UFC selling for $4 billion, I think, was massively due to Conor McGregor. Especially if you go back and you look at his, um, if you look at his rise to fame, he had so many fights between, let me see, 20, well, actually he, sorry, his first fight in the UFC was in 2013 against Marcus Brimage. Then he fought Max Holloway in August of 2013. But let's see, in... Three years, he fought one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times between 2013, August 20, 2013, and November 12th, 2016. He fought 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, or sorry, 10. I don't know where I'm getting my numbers. But he fought 10 times, and in this time, he fought one former title champ. One formal title holder, where he won the lightweight title, which is a division he never fought at. He beat Nate Diaz, Jose Aldo, title, Chad Mendes, title challenger, Dustin Poirier, current title holder with the interim lightweight title, Max Holloway, current title holder at 145, which got, gained the title after him. He didn't beat Connor, but kind of relinquished the belt. Then Jose Aldo fought Max Holloway, and Max Holloway won the belt. But, um, okay, and then after that, I guess this is just like a little history lesson on Connor starting out, but after the Nate Diaz fight, he came, he went back to fight Eddie Alvarez, who defeated RDA, which I, I believe was a very good move for Connor because I think Connor versus RDA would have been a way tougher matchup for him. I think the way RDA strikes and the way he shoots his takedowns and everything would have just been a little too much. Eddie Alvarez doesn't shoot for takedowns, he usually boxes, and he gets hit a lot. So, honestly, all of that was very good for Connor. Um, after that, he ended up. He didn't fight for two years. The reason why he didn't fight for two years was because he was doing the whole Floyd Mayweather thing. That whole debacle, the whole thing. It was a little odd. He won the first four rounds. I, I don't think he did terrible in the fight. Of course, he's not a boxer, but yeah, that happened. And then he came back to fight Habib Nurmagomedov in October 6, twenty eighteen. In this fight, I believe Connor was thoroughly dominated i this fight did not show that connor has a chance against Habib. i know connor has come on interviews recently which we'll talk about in a little bit referencing how the camp didn't go right how this didn't go right how this didn't go right that happens to every fighter so everything i take with a grain of salt i'm not saying i don't believe him I'm not saying i don't sympathize for him but i get it okay so where does connor McGregor rank amongst his fellow lightweight and featherweight competitors what i am going to do is i'm going to go to ufc.com and i'm just going to look at the top 10 because if you look at the top 10 in both of those divisions i think you can quickly parse together a little bit of information so let's see featherweight i'm going to go across names that i know people know okay number 10 joss emmett nine moicano eight steven seven rodriguez Chang Sung Jung at 6, Zabit Magomed Sherpov at 5, Frankie Edgar at 4, Jose Aldo, Brian Ortega, and Alexander Volkanovsky. Man, 
Okay, now let's look at the way Connor fights and the, how many different things he uses in his game. Do I think he is better than? Do I think he's better than Josh Emmett, Moicano, Stevens, Rodriguez? Yes, I believe from six to ten, I believe he is a better fighter overall. And the reason why I say this is because I don't think any of them are going to be able to take him down versus be able to take the the freaking power he has in his hands. The only people that I mean, a couple of them would be interesting to see fight Connor, but I think Connor would win. Okay, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. I think Zabit Zabit is incredible. I have to see more from his game, but from what I've seen, he's at the top. Frank Edgar, everyone knows, is at the top, but he didn't beat um Feather or he didn't he didn't beat Max Holloway and he didn't beat Jose Aldo, so I just do not see him beating Connor. I know MMA, MMA math doesn't work, but I don't think the way Frankie Edgar fights and the way he attacks would be very effective against Connor in any way. Brian Ortega, I think Brian Ortega would be an interesting matchup against Connor because of his jujitsu and because he, he it doesn't seem like he just gets put away with shots, but Connor has different power, so we'll see. Volkanovsky, I think, is better, and Max Holloway, I think, is better. Ah. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> okay, for lightweights. So we have Habib Nurmagomedov, which is champion. I do not think he's better than Habib. Dustin Poirier right now. I do not think Conor McGregor is better than Tony Ferguson. I do not think Conor McGregor is better than Donald Cerrone. I do not think Conor McGregor is better than Justin Gaethje. I think he is better than him overall. I do not think he can handle the pressure of Gaethje. We'll see if... Well, Donald Cerrone put out Justin Gaethje. So Donald Cerrone put out Justin Gaethje. I would say Conor McGregor actually wins that fight. I did not say this previously. Before, I thought um, Gaethje would probably walk through Conor. But that fight is still interesting because the pace that Justin Gaethje puts on and Conor's ability to put power. If Conor cannot put you out in the first two rounds and you have a cardio game, you're probably going to beat him. I, I, I'm willing to argue this with, with a lot of people. If you have a cardio pressure game, and you are top 10, let's say top 5, lightweight, featherweight, you're going to give Conor problems. Ally Kenta. I think Ally Kenta is one of the more underrated fighters. Um, I do not think, unfortunately, that he would be, he would defeat Conor. I think Ally Kenta has all the skills to defeat Conor. But I feel like he, may, he might get hit a little too much because he. I, I don't think he moves at enough angles he's very good about his distance and mining his distance in general he's good at um kind of gauging what to do next because he is a great fighter but um i'm not sure if i see him being the victor in that fight edson barbosa i honestly i can i can predict him getting ko'd by connor and i can predict connor ko'ing him <laughs> kevin lee kevin lee would be one of the most interesting fights for me at lightweight and the reason being is because if you saw the way kevin lee fought tony ferguson when he shoots for those takedowns and he's committed to getting them i don't i don't know who can stop those those were intense but it gets him tired so he has to balance that out we'll, we'll see we'll see how he does there but um yeah like from from what you can tell from what i'm saying I don't know if I necessarily favor him in these matchups, and the reason being is because I haven't seen him in long enough. The game changes so much from fight to fight, year by year, month to month, that it's very hard to gauge because Connor hasn't been fighting, and all of these guys have been. So, 
this brings me into the question of does Connor deserve an instant title shot? Which honestly seems to be the future based on what he is saying, based on what um, Dana White's saying, Dana White's saying how he is going to let Connor decide between Pettis, Diaz, and who's going to win between Nurmagomedov and Poye. And I was like, uh, him saying that means that Connor's most likely getting a title shot next. I know Poye said that Tony Ferguson will, but it seems like they do whatever they can to screw Tony out. If they give the fight to Tony, they're going to give Connor something crazy. Okay, I, I want to talk about something a little special that we have not brought up. Um, just really anyone except for Tyron Woodley. Let's talk about the beef that Connor picked with him. Uh, I forgot which pay-per-view it was, but Connor Connor was main event. Tyron Woodley was on the undercard. Not on the undercard, but sorry, it was fighting under him as the co-main event, I believe. And Connor kind of puffed his chest out and um, wanes. The reason why um, him puffing his chest out is important is because Tyron Woodley is not the kind of person that you want to do that to unless you're ready to fight him. So in the video, you can see Connor and him make eye contact and Woodley's head snaps towards his direction. And you can tell that he, he wants to smoke. <laughs> so let me take a look here. Woodley looked at him and was like, I'm going to smash you, bro. I'm going to smash you if you look at me again. Like, you better put some respect on my name. But looking back at that now, I haven't seen Connor talk about Tyron at all. I don't think Tyron wants, or I don't think Connor wants that fight. That is not a winnable fight for him. Tyron is almost the perfect matchup to destroy Connor. He's not only a weight class up, but I honestly think he's technically better everywhere. Let's talk about Connor McGregor's most telling loss in the UFC. Well, lost, most time loss ever. The most time loss that Conor McGregor has is the loss he has to Nate Diaz in their first fight. That fight changed so much about the status of the UFC, the status of Conor McGregor, everything. I believe this fight tarnishes his claim to be the greatest of all time. Because how can you say he's the greatest of all time if he has... This gigantic blaring hole in his game that seems to be grappling, seems to be pressure fighters, seems to be cardio after the second round. Try to do that for GSP. Try to do that for Habib. Try to do that for John Jones. It's very hard to come up with their kryptonites. I think John Jones is nervous for power shots. And because I think he's nervous to take shots on people... Or sorry, so, and because I think he's afraid to take shots, literally like punches from people, and heavy hands, heavy kicks, I think this makes him react differently within the fight now. Because I feel like when I'm watching John Jones fight, I can almost see him react, like, he can see what's coming, which I don't think is a good thing, because he's waiting for stuff so he can see it, and then he'll respond. I'm very curious to see him fight somebody like a Johnny Walker, to see if Johnny Walker can exploit that. Okay, um, I want to talk about Connor versus the old man briefly. <laughs> this this was ridiculous. There's no way you can you can honor this. You can't say anything positive about this. I I just I can't believe I, I can't believe he did this. He walked inside the bar. 
He asks this guy if he wants a drink, starts pouring drinks. It looks like him and the guy are going back and forth a little bit. I don't care what Joe Rogan says. I don't care what Dana White says. I don't care what anyone says. I did karate since I was 10. I, I participated in years and years and years, multiple times a week, always went. And I know at the very least what kind of shot would look like it hurts and what does not look like an actual hit. Conor McGregor threw a full punch at this old man. It, it was more of a jab, but I don't, it doesn't matter. He, it was a full-on punch, and the reason why I know this is a full-on punch, go back, watch the video, which I have linked in the description box. I, I, I always have the links that I use in the description box, also with a couple other videos in my social media links, so please look down there and let me know how you feel. But when Connor, Connor literally postured his body to get ready for a punch. He, he knew that punch was going to come a couple seconds before he threw it, way before he threw it. Connor is not standing square. He's standing at a slight angle with his left foot forward, but his shoulders are more square than his feet are. This is important because when you throw a punch, the punch comes from the base of your body. You can't, if you throw a punch just from your shoulders and you're sitting, you're not going to have nearly as much power as if you just had that little torque from the, the heel turn. So. I don't know. Connor, when he threw this punch, you saw him chamber back with his left hand. You see his hips twitch, and you see his upper body twitch. When you are throwing a punch, your body is going to twitch in the same direction that you're pulling that punch back if you are an effective striker. And when you throw that punch out, if you throw a proper jab, it looks like a flick a little bit, but it is a full-on punch. This old man was just sitting there, and after he got punched by Connor, he just turned his head. Like Iceman in his prime, Chuck Liddell. He's savage. This old man, this old man got hit by Conor McGregor. I was like, "Is that all you got, Mike?" Yeah, I guess it is. But um, the last thing I want to talk about, in a little bit of details, I want to talk about this interview that Conor had with Ariel. I'm noticing more and more as I get older, these interviews are less and less substantive. I'm also noticing this greatly because of Luke Thomas. He's pointing this out, and once you hear it, it's it's just sticking so strongly in my head, it's making me get sick of all of it. Uh, when Ariel was pushing on some questions, but he's not pushing on the absolute worst allegations that need to get pushed at this point. If he's doing an open interview like this, he shouldn't know the questions. They're, they shouldn't be vetted with him. So that, that makes me wonder about Connor's sincerity. He also made a comment at Ariel that said that he kept him out for one and a half years. That was an incredibly interesting comment. Because Ariel's like, what do you mean? Almost immediately after. So if Ariel was not talking to him because of the comments that he made about Habib's wife. Or um, the sexual assault or any of those things. I wouldn't be shocked. Man, man. I don't. I don't know. I love Ariel. I loved Ariel so much before in MMA fighting. I feel like he's a little aggressive, a little more aggressive than before. I still love him, but he's he is more feisty. So he said he was also going to fight Justin Gaethje in July. What? I, that shocked me. If he if he's picking that fight, he must he must genuinely believe they can put him out because there's no way he's going to be able to handle Justin Gaethje for a long period of time. I don't care. 
where anyone says Justin Gaethje is one of the hardest matchups in the UFC for anyone on any given day ever because of the way he fights, just because of the way he fights. And his intense wrestling, you're not going to take him down either. And he doesn't want you to. But um, he made comments about fighting Jorge Masvidal, Tony Ferguson, Nate Diaz, and Habib. Jorge Masvidal, I don't think he's too big, but watching what he just did at 170, I don't know if Connor can take that. Tony Ferguson, I think, is an overwhelming task for a lot of people. Connor's power is always going to be a crux into this. The power that Connor possesses is ungodly. Oh, and Con- before I leave, I want to talk about one last thing. Connor Berger made a comment about never retiring. That shocked me. I-, I didn't think I didn't think for a second that that would be the case. He said he would never retire. I I guess it wouldn't shock me because I feel like he's trying to do a lot of things for PR in order to um, mend the situation that he's in. He's, he has a lot of a lot of issues going on right now. So I get it. He also broke his hand. So broke his hand in a fight. He, he just has a lot of things going on. He, he talks about his relationship with John Kavanaugh, how it's not doing as good. Um, he made a comment about how maybe John needs to prove to him something. And he's like, oh, no. He's like, that's how I felt at the time, blah, blah. So it seems like they need to rekindle their their lost brotherhood there because they were really close, and I would love to see them get back to it. But yeah, guys, hey, this is the fourth episode of Respect the Game with MMA Mondo. Please tell me if you guys like this. Like, comment, subscribe. This is on YouTube. If this is on anything else. Please share it with your friends. Let me know how you feel. I care completely. I, I want to get some feedback. I want to go back and forth with some people. I want to have some intelligent combat sports discussions so if you guys enjoyed this video slash podcast slash just audio file whatever you want to call it like comment subscribe let me know please subscribe please like please comment guys i'll get back to you every single comment that i see even if i don't respond to it immediately because i didn't initially catch it i'll go back and i will write you guys months later weeks later like days later hours later whatever it is Thank you guys so much for your time, and I hope you guys have a great day.